Hey, thanks for joining us here on the House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about the house, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the house app. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap. We're ready, ready to go. Let me... Let me just introduce myself a little bit. My name is Stephen Sexton. I am the lead pastor here. We planted our the house uh, seven years ago. And so we are so grateful for what God has done to him be the glory. We wanted a place that um, was life-changing. And we are going to have some fun doing it. And so I, I just want to tell you, it, it seems like the older you get... Uh, uh, in church, uh, the the um, the more religious you get, and so you you do all the right things for the right reason, but sometimes you disconnect why you do it. You know what I'm saying? And, and I, I never wanted to be that church where you come to church and you meet someone who's been at our church for 30 years, and they're like, "Welcome to church." Bless God, I'm a greeter. How you doing? Your life can totally be changed here. If you're here 30 years, you can look like me. I'm like, you know, I didn't want a church where it felt like Halloween every time you came. Like, like people are scary. And so I, I would say this, and this is not even my message, but you see the balls around, the watermelons outside, the phone, and, and, and you, you, you may have come from a more traditional church where you're like, why do we need all this? is I absolutely think that there are moments in your life when you need to be able to connect and laugh. And the Bible tells us that joy is a type of medicine and laughter is a type of medicine. And if you can't ever have a good time in church, you need to find a church that you can have one, okay? I am not saying that we, we don't speak the truth in love and have real conversations. I'm not saying that we avoid maturity for goofiness, but I am saying that there's a little bit of medicine that happens in the sermon, and we just, come on, we, a little spoonful of sugar? <laughs> How's it go down a little bit? And so don't be the person that life's been hard, can't laugh about anything. You're like, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength come on listen is our strength so your strength is not that you persevere and if that's what you feel like your strength is then you just need to repent because your strength is the joy of the lord and it enables me to do more than what i could do in and of myself and so we are going to be an expressive body and so you can say amen Amen. you can say amen. amen and we're wanting this place to be a place that is life-giving. Uh, we're going to start a new sermon series. And so this week, next week, and the next week, it's going to be a short one. But we are going to start a sermon series called Believe Again. Believe Again. And some of you may be like, listen, I'm a believer. I have great faith. And, and, but I think that when we read the Bible, we realize that it is not a one-time, one-and-done type thing. Like you believe again, and you believe again. And, and th- 
that there should be this idea that your faith is a journey and God is continually asking you to step to new places. Does that make sense? And so when we look over the story of Moses, he didn't have to believe in faith one time, but he had to believe in faith that the burning bush was God, go to Back to Pharaoh where you killed someone. Then I go there. Okay, did it. No, 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 no. Now go have a conversation with Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. Okay, did it. Okay, great. Now pack everybody up, march them in a straight line, head over to the Red Sea. Did it. All right, now now wait for it to part. Like the reality is you're going to have to believe again and again and again and again and again. And you, your best days as a Christian can't be when you were in crew in college. Or you went on the missions trip when you were 17. Or when you led a Bible study for kids at the third church ago. Like you got to have moments now. Come on, does that make sense? We all searching for meaning, significance, to believe in something. Many throw their effort behind career, academics, relationships, preparation in order To just create the idea I can have choices. What is the choices? I want to lead and live in stability and I want to have opportunity. Stability and opportunity. Everything we do is for stability and opportunity. While there's great value in these approaches, they are in and of themselves incomplete. As we dive deeper, it is clear that there is something burning, come on, in all of us. And there is a desire, a propensity to believe, to walk in hope, to be optimistic about the future. That's why COVID was so hard for people. Because every day you begin to turn on the news, there was no hope in the future. And so this optimism nationally, worldly, began to crumble. And people were like... Because the truth is, we believe. If we zoom in on that desire, that's known as faith. So my question to you is this, what do you put your faith in? If we're going to put our thoughts together, because there are some people that are like, I don't really know how to describe faith. It's like moving that awkward piece of furniture. I don't really know how to get my hands around it but everybody can describe it. And it's kind of like a churchy term that everybody thinks they know. It's like, hey, what do you believe? I believe what my church believes. Okay, great. What does your church believe? It believes what I believe. Okay, great. What do y'all believe? We all believe the same thing. Okay, cool. Um, Listen, for us, we want to put our thoughts together on what faith is. And, and if you're looking for that, if you want that answer over the next three weeks, I'm telling you, you're going to be in the right place because we're starting this new series called Believe Again. First Peter chapter 1, verse 8 and 9 says this. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you, come on, believe. Everybody say believe. In him and rejoice with the joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory obtaining the outcome of your, come on, say it, of your, come on, I'm going to get everybody, your, not my faith, not the church's faith, but you're going to get the outcome of what? Your, your faith, the salvation of your souls. Somewhere along life's way, 
the harshness of reality hits all of us. No matter how diligent you are, no matter how you want to chase stability and opportunity, stability and opportunity, um, there are moments where you come to the understanding that they may be a little, come on, listen, out of reach. Life is full of scary days, hard days, days where great expectation is reduced to seemingly small, insignificant moments. When you were young, you you believed that you were going to hit the home run. Dad, just let me get on the field. Bam! That I was going to score 25 points. Come on, you believe I'm going to score 25 points in a game. I'm going to score four touchdowns. Come on, when you were young, you believe I'm going to marry Prince Charming and we're going to have a home that sings and dances its cares away. Once you get older and something shifts, reality hits. Prince Charming isn't always that charming. And there are sounds in the come from him in the home that were never on the movie. Most of the songs that you hear in your home are a little off key and always at the wrong moment. Your game moves from total domination to the fact that I I just don't want to get hurt. (laughs) And, and, And then subsequently, instead of winning, you move to a position where I just don't want to mess it up. And faith becomes complicated. Hebrews chapter 11, verse one says this, now faith, what? Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence, the conviction of things not seen. My assignment today as we unpack this belief again is to understand what matters. As the church, we have to understand what matters. I love having children. They're a blessing. Come on, if you have kids, just say it. They're a blessing. People all the time are like, hey, um, you have four kids. You must really like kids. I'm like, no, I just really like my wife. Um, uh, But it's funny because I love my kids, but you ever feel like I'm coming into this teenage season where all of my kids now are teenagers. And 50 minutes before I leave, if we're doing an event or we're going somewhere, 50 minutes before I leave, I don't know why, but my bathroom becomes the meeting place. My, my, my bathroom, okay? And it, it, it's like, I, I, I'm like, where is the understanding? Because our home isn't huge, but we have some space. And it seems like every time I'm getting ready, everyone has to come into the bathroom. And they're like, I know dad is shaving and ironing and getting his hair done and doing the things. And dad doesn't have that much more. So he doesn't really need that much time. But the, I just, you know, because does anybody need space? Come on, you can amen that. You ain't going to hell for that. And so it's, it's like, it's the perfect time for them to walk in and want to borrow something. And here's the thing, is that if me and my wife are both getting ready at the same time, and the kids walk in, we love them all, but they sabotage my wife. Because I love my kids, but she loves them more, okay? And so when they start asking questions, she stops, puts the makeup down, and begins to give them attention. And I'm like, no, no, stop that. Stop that. We love you, just not right now. 
We have 15 minutes. This is a terrible time to ask a question. I know that there are meteor showers at some point in time, somewhere in the world, and I know you've Googled all of it, but I need you to not ask me any questions right now because we're leaving. leaving. It's like they come in and we need the sink. We need the mirror. Come on, somebody. We need the tweezers. Bless God. And they just start taking everything like right when we need it. And it's like the bathroom becomes the party place. It's like questions are being asked. People are moving around. People are breaking out into random dances. And I'm like, I don't know if I like y'all. It's like there's a lack of understanding. We're leaving. Do all this when we're not here. We have a couple, Mitch and Gabby. They just got married two weeks. Come on. Two weeks marriage. And uh, how many of y'all know they're going to need some understanding? They got a lot of love, but they're also going to get a lot of lessons. (laughs) Just take notes, Mitch. Just take notes. Here's the thing. Fast food, Fast food. Can I, can I just, I'm just going to get in the flesh a little bit, then I'll repent. Is that okay? Can I do that? Fast food. Fast food. I, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but do you ever get the feeling that sometimes when you go to order fast food, sometimes, I mean, just, just sometimes, the employees are not glad that you're there. I'm, it's like... More and more, the food industry is acting like the TSA agent. Does that that make sense? It's like, can I have your order? Any condiments? Wall it out, sir. Please take the next step. Go over here. Step over here. And and it's like, man, if you don't already know what you're going to order before you get in that line, you're going to jack everything up. And the people in the back are like, bro, what are you doing? Don't step to the cash register. You don't know. Don't read the menu. It's online. It's online. You're messing up the flow here. And I'm like, it's, it's weird because I grew up in a culture where it was like, and it's, it's so outdated, but it was like customers were valuable. <laughs> like my money mattered. <laughs> and like I can choose to eat anywhere I want. <laughs> mm, I can eat anywhere I want, but I chose this establishment. So you have to be my friend. And that was old school but it does feel like we're missing a little bit of understanding for those who attend this church. We want you to understand what matters most when it comes to faith. Not, and it's very important that your faith is not all wrapped up in what you do. What you do is not the thing that pleases God. Come on, hear me. It's not your work. It's not your achievement. And you have to do a good job at making sure that faith is not elusive or subjective. Some people don't really know how to describe faith, but Hebrews 11 chapter 6 says this, without faith, it is impossible to please who? Come on, him. 
For whoever would draw near to God, whoever, come on, listen, listen, come on, stay with me. Whoever would draw near, draw near, come on. I, I listened to R&B in the 90s. And in the 90s, we were all about like drawing near. Come on, come and talk to me. Hey, you remember that? You remember that? Like, it was all about drawing near. You're like, okay. <laughs> like, you're going to draw near. And the idea is like, listen, if you want to draw near to God, and I meet so many Christians that are like, you know, I'm just struggling in my faith. Really? Yeah, I just feel like when I pray, God's not there. I just feel like there's a wall. I just feel like maybe he's mad at me. I just feel like what, well, the Bible says that you have to draw near And it actually says, draw near to God. Two things have to happen. You have to believe that he exists, meaning he exists. He's the ultimate authority, and he's the one that I submit to. He created all things, sustains all things, governs all things. He is the now, the later, and the future. He is everything, and I believe that, and I cannot draw near to him unless I believe that, and I believe the second, that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So when I pray, when I read the Bible, when I come to church, when I go to a worship service, when I begin to step in and be discipled, that I actually, something is actually happening, and these These two things in conjunction begin to make me close to God. Come on. Come on. Let me break it down to you if that wasn't plain. Without faith, you can't please him. Simply put, faith is trusting God. Faith is trusting God. Let me say it again. The only thing that pleases God is faith in him. This means choosing purity, excellence, making sacrifices, living good, loving other people well, and having a great work ethic in and of themselves do not please God. None of that, listen, pleases God. Only if that is done in faith, come on, will it please the Lord. So I'm gonna give you a thought today. The first necessity to faith is you have to understand what matters. You have to make some choices. I'm gonna give you a a story of a New Testament soldier and an Old Testament soldier. And I want to contrast how they went about getting their miracle from the Lord. There are some of you here that you've already postured yourself in a place of humility and that you are open to receive and move where God wants you. And there are some of you that you're slow walking your transformation because you're arguing every detail. In your mind, you think you know how it should happen and God is like... (laughs) Because God is not submitted to you. You're submitted to him. He gives you the awesome, the option to choose, but he does not relinquish his authority to anybody. Okay, so let's look. Matthew chapter 8, 5 through 13. And when he entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appear, uh, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. Jesus is talking. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but say the word. Come on, everybody say, say the word. 
and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to the other, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And Jesus heard this. He marveled. Say, what? May you cry. What? And said to those who follow him, truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. We're going to unpack that. That's a huge sentence. I tell you that many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom. This is huge because this part is written to us. What that means is we don't have to, 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 to grow up and, and be Israelites, but we are the foreigners that come and sit at the banquet table of God because of the revelation. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? Okay. While the sons of the kingdom will be thrown, listen to this, in outer darkness, in a place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Scary, but we need, we need to go there. And to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant healed, was healed at that very moment. Here, let me give you just a, a little zoom in on Capernaum. It was a well-established fishing community on the north part of the Sea of Galilee, okay? This was one of the leading cities on the shoreline. It was right in the middle of a major trade route, and it was an international city. Due to its fishing and export, Rome was present, and they were collecting a lot of taxes. It was there that Jesus on-roaded five of his disciples. Here's the concept that I want to give you. This one's for free because it's not really what we're talking about. James, John, Peter, Andrew, Matthew all came from a meeting in Capernaum. I need you to know that the place that you decide to be does matter. And Christians, we kind of live with this idea. It doesn't matter where I go. It doesn't matter what I do. Jesus is there. And I'm just telling you, sometimes you won't be on the right team because you're in the wrong place. You hear what I'm saying? Sometimes you need to be somewhere long enough where people can see you, notice you, and invite you into opportunity. And if you're always moving, chasing the wind, come on. Well, I just do whatever the Holy Spirit tells me to do. That's great. Sometimes. But it has error on both sides. Yes, we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. No man is not the ultimate authority. God is the ultimate authority. Can I hear, can I understand what I'm saying? But if you're always free moving wherever you want to go, then here's what you've missed. You're actually leeching on the stability of people in places that did not move. Because for you to get some things that you need, the place that you're at, there were people who didn't move. Does that make sense? God sometimes calls people to say, hey, we're all imperfect, but I need you to jump on and be here for a while. And if so, I will take you from this and I will say, come follow me and we'll go build that. And some of you, this is your season. That's the only reason I'm telling you that. It's because it matters. I'm going to give you three truths that will help you understand what matters. Three truths. Y'all good? Everybody good? Come on, everybody thinking, praise God. All right, good. Three truths that will help you understand what matters. The first is our power isn't enough. 
our power isn't enough. This centurion was not a normal dude. Come on. He was a professional soldier that had public and, and, and political notoriety. This centurion was part of the occupational force in Rome which ruled over the Jews. He had a hundred men under his command. He was a man of dignity and stature. He was wealthy. If you look at this story in Luke chapter seven, verse four, you will come to find that he actually helped build the synagogue. So he's a Roman who is having faith. Come on, in Yahweh. Okay. Now let's compare his with Naaman. Second Kings chapter five, verse nine. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood in the door of Elijah's house. And Elijah sent a messenger to him saying, go wash in the Jordan seven times. Look at this. Here comes Naaman. <laughs> I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. All of his pomp and circumstance Horses, chariots, money. You're going to want to talk to me. Hey, E, come on out. He didn't even come out. He's like, here's a message. <laughs> Look at this. Go wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored and you'll be clean. That's it. Look at what he says, verse 11. This is going to talk to church folk. Look at this. But Naaman was angry. Everybody say angry. And went away saying, behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me, stand, call upon the name of the Lord, wave his hands around all over the place and cure me. Some of you, isn't it funny how the world thinks about the church? They crazy. You just go to a church and then, you're better. It's done. Both of these men were impressive. You might not be a warrior with their level of skill, but at the same time, our culture has valued and thought that if I can attain this power, I will have everything I want, stability and opportunity. CEOs have a ton of authority, but the, their power is not enough. Come on, our president has tons of authority, but his power is not enough. Parents in certain seasons of their children's life have tons of authority, but their power is not enough. And you will come to a place where you realize that you do not have enough power. Naaman thought, I'm somebody special. I'm expected to be treated with favoritism because of all of my accolades. And yet Elijah is not impressed. Naaman trusted in the process. And I need to come for a lot of you who are going through our process. And we, make, we have a lot of process. If you come to our church and you really zoom in and come in, you will find that we are very intentional about everything that we do. And we have systems and structures and processes because we want to make it clear for you. But I need you to understand something. The salvation of your soul and the saving and transformation of who you are isn't found in the system. It helps you with your next step, but you have to build your relationship with Jesus. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? Naaman had faith in the king that sent him, in the letter, in his status, in that he, he had done enough right. And he does not take instruction. 
So ultimately, he doesn't believe. He made the journey and he doesn't believe. You can actually get up and come to church and not believe. Come on, I'm coming to someone. You can give, you can tithe, you can worship, you can lift your hands, you can walk through all the motions and still not There comes a time when we all realize that our power is not enough. We can't do it all on our own. We can't do it all by ourselves. We need grace and help and care. What do you put your faith in? God's love for Naaman leads him to heal his leprosy, but also the greater healing is to heal his pride. It's not by works that you get the attention of Jesus. Come on, all of you who serve, all of you who lead, all of you who do, I am grateful. And many people are getting their lives changed because of your yes. But I need you to know that God's not up there going, he's not. Because there's only one thing that pleases him. The posture of your heart and the faith that comes from you. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? Jesus isn't impressed with titles and degrees and achievements. He is impressed by those who humble themselves and believe. Humility. The centurion doesn't come gloating and bragging. He don't have the big chain. He's not showing Jesus all of his moves and his portfolio of how awesome and how much success he's had. He's just humble. He understands what matters. Listen, it isn't his position. It isn't his status. He finds himself in need. And Jesus, listen, is his only hope. And the centurion knew he did not have the power to save and he did not have the power to heal. And you have to come to that. The second thing is this. You're gonna have to come to terms with who has the authority in your life. Come on, take a picture, write that down. Who ultimately has the authority in your life? Who ultimately gets to make the call in your life? That is who you trust. Do, who do you trust? Do you trust your own thoughts, feelings, and effort? What authority do you believe in that you feel like is perfect enough? Can I tell you that the Bible tells us that we've all sinned and fallen short and there's only one that knew no sin and it is Jesus It's important when we, talking about faith, both Naaman and the centurion came to the understanding that their authority and that the authority that they had and the authority that they were under, ultimately for something to happen, they had to submit to God. To God. The earthly authorities that they had weren't supreme. The rulers they served weren't supreme. Only God's authority, come on, is supreme. And Naaman eventually submitted to the instruction of Elijah. He didn't at first. And you may come to church for six months leaving going, I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if I believe that. And we're fine with that. Like, we're not mad. I'm not getting all up in my feels for that. But ultimately, here is what I know. Naaman made the journey. And the prophet said, I need you to go dip seven times in the Jordan. And some of you need to understand that God does care about process. 
And there is a journey that he's taking you on. And every time you come and submit to what God is telling you, your faith is rising and you're dipping. Some of you are in dip number four and you're frustrated that it's not seven. Dip again. Some of you are turned off by, I don't know why in the world do I have to dip seven times? That's just dumb. Who, is, who are you to determine how many times I get to dip? I'm gonna do me. I'm gonna believe what I believe. Could that be you're still where you are? Come on, does this make sense? For us, active faith means this. It's not pie in the sky, it's that we trust God. The centurion amazed Jesus with his understanding. The centurion trusted Jesus. So much so that it was shocking. Like Jesus is like, shocked. Here is a Gentile, a a foreigner, who hasn't been given the background that Israel has been given. Jericho, boom. Jonah, Adam and Eve, the covenants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, asking Abraham to leave his country, all of the history that was in the Torah that they heard about. And here is what Jesus says. This foreigner has more faith than you who've grown up You know the stories, but you don't believe. You know the stories, but you don't believe. You lived in this juxtaposed position where you believe that God can, but you also at the same time don't believe anything will change. I believe that God can, but I don't believe anything that will change. I believe that God can, but I don't believe anything that will change. Here's the thing. Is I need to talk for, y'all go ahead and let me preach this for just a couple of seconds. Here would be my major concern about leading a growing church is that God did something in your life and you're one, two, or three and you started seeing fruit of that and then you got soft and you got weak and you just started coming to church but you stopped believing God for great things. For some of you in this room, there were times that you would have just packed it all up and went. There were times that you would have just, whatever, God, whatever you want me to do. And now, a little adversity, a little hurt, a little pain. And here's where we're at. We know all the stories. We're gonna always do outreach and evangelism, but here would be the scary thought for us as a church. The people that come in the next year, is are they closer to the Lord because they believe the two things when we are here and present, but we've forgotten them? Come on, do you hear what I'm saying? God is after the hungry, the people that are like, you're it. You have the ultimate authority. You are all, come on, I need. Until you meet Jesus face to face, you will have to have faith and you will have to believe again. And you'll 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 do it again and again and again and again. The soldier overcame the hesitation and he asked Jesus. Jesus responds, Greatly. 
impressed by his faith. Jesus goes on to say, I haven't found anybody else in all of Israel that believes like you do. You see, the centurion didn't have goosebumps. He made a choice, surrendered to the choice. And if you make the choice and surrender the choice, it will bring you into proximity. Here's the third one. Come on. Here's the third one. What you believe will determine how you behave. Let's talk about this. For faith to activate, there must be knowledge. Now let me, let me, let me, let me build this thought for you. What do you know about God? This isn't just investigative. Faith grows and it is an experience-based, loving relationship with real outcomes. Come on, hear what I'm saying. That knowledge brings to you understanding. Many say they believe, but they don't know what they believe. And I'm asking you, what do you know about God? What do you understand about God? His presence in your life. Is he distant? Is he a professor? Is he, what do you personally know about God? God wants to know you. Come on, listen. God wants a real and personal relationship with you. This knowledge will effectively change your life. Can I tell you this? You're standing on something. You are standing on something. What do you believe? It is it's this or it's that, but there is something that you're standing on. My knowledge, my intellect, my work ethic, my this, my family, we have a great kids, we have this. You're standing on something and God is saying everything, all of that is shifting sand. It's, it's actually nothing. Friend, I want you to know What you believe determines how you behave. The centurion believed the word of Jesus. For him, that was enough. Do, he said, you don't even have to come to my home. Like, you don't have to make a special trip. I don't need you to get your steps in. Jesus, just say the word. I trust you. For, for, For Naaman, listen to this. He ultimately gave in and healing happened. And so I want, to, I want to talk about this for a second. Could you be in our church and you're hovering around the direction that God has for you, but you're resisting? I love the fact that a small conversation, if you go read that story, there was a servant girl that began to give wisdom to the mighty man. And I think the context is awesome because it speaks to life groups. Sometimes you need people in a smaller setting to break down concepts that are said in church to help you understand and challenge you. We actually believe that there are three things that people need. They need to be known, they need to be loved, and they need to be challenged. That all happens in life groups. That's why we're asking you to join them. Listen, James chapter one, verse five says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it'll be given let him ask in what? Say it. Come on, let say it again. And with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is double-minded and unstable 
Naaman could not receive because God wasn't just doling it out. There was actually a submission to authority that had to happen for the activation to happen. Does that make sense? Believe his words. Sitting in this church, there are people who have experienced real hardships, and I want to talk real quick. Maybe the enemy has hardened your heart as I'm talking. And as I have been talking about faith, you have been entertaining the list of unanswered prayers. And I want you to know something. God answers prayers. It is yes, it is no, and it is wait. It's our job to believe and stand in faith, to stand on the word. Both of these men faced desperation and they made a choice and you're gonna have to make a choice. But don't just put your toe in. Don't just, I'm gonna try church. I'm gonna see if it's a little good. No, you're gonna have to make a commitment. You're gonna have to go all in. Come on, listen. You're gonna have to have faith and believe. And here's the thing is the fact that you choose to believe in God or believe in yourself or believe in your career or believe in your job or believe in whatever, but you have faith. Active faith means that we trust God. We reconcile our head, our hand, and our actions that God exists. He is alone the creator and sustainer. Here's what I want you to know. Church, understand what matters. When you come to church, you're not wasting time. Prayer isn't for weirdos. Come on, reading your Bible isn't for the extra types. The the Bible says that faith comes when you begin to like read and listen and listen and understand the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. And could it be that you have little faith because you have little knowledge, because you have little hearing, because you have little submission, because you have other authorities. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? Allowing the Holy Spirit to coach you isn't just a hyper-spiritual thing. You've got to believe again. August the 20th, August 20th through the 27th, in our church, since we've started, we do in August Seek Week. And we are asking you, to go, to turn your TV off one hour before you would go to bed and to get up maybe one hour earlier and seek the Lord. On on that Wednesday night, August the 23rd, look at me. We're going to have a worship service and we want you to be here and we're gonna pray for people. We're gonna pray for needs. And, And I'm just, I'm asking our church as we start a new season to draw near to God. Because the, the real issue is we all crave control. We want the last word. We want the last thought. And we want our opinions to matter above anything else. And I am saying to you that you will have to believe again. So maybe you're here today. And you, you, are, you have been saved. You you maybe got saved when you were a kid or a college student, which remind me, I want to pray for anybody going to college or trade school because I, I miss them. I'm sorry. If you're a college student, we love you. Right, sorry, we didn't let you come up to the front. So just be aware. All right, Father, we love all the college students. We thank you for their, their, their degrees. Come on. We thank you for the degrees. Uh, we thank you that 
Uh, they pay off student loans in Jesus' name. And thank you that they will not be indoctrinated by a culture that hates God. <laughs> uh, God, we thank you for trade school people that will probably make the whole country run in 10 years from now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, cool. Okay. Sorry. Here's the thing. Some of you need to believe again. I'm going to just be honest. This last season, you got shattered a little bit. Your expectations were not met. There were moments with God that you left angry, just like Naaman. And I am telling you that you need to believe again. And so the first thing that I want to do is I believe there are people who are going to make a real, authentic decision for Christ today. I am done being my own authority. I realize I do not have enough power. I realize that I need to submit myself to the authority. And there's this idea of this, that if Jesus is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. God, I need, I need y'all to know that Jesus don't ride shotgun in your car. He's just like, like, like come on, let's hear what I'm saying. Like, like, he's just not happy with an Uber. Like this dude's driving, okay? And so if you've never made a profession of faith that acknowledges your sin and that you need a savior, this is your first step. And, and I'm going to just tell you, all year long, we've been talking about confidence. And so I, I, I just think that, uh, can I talk to you all for five, well, three more minutes. I thank you all for being patient. If you never come back, I, I do understand. Uh, if you do come back, it's going to be way better next week, I promise you. Uh, way more put together. Um, but here's the thing, is that I think the church culture is very weak in America. And it is because we have allowed moments of choice to be secret and internal. And there are some times that you just got to make a choice. Does that make sense? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.